Hello, 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 and welcome to this episode of Wolves Fancast. It's another induction into the Wolves Fancast Alternative Hall of Fame, or as we like to call it. It's the first annual Montgomery Burns Award for Outstanding Achievement in Before we get into this induction, thank you very much for listening to our podcast throughout the lockdown and we hope you've enjoyed them and it's given you a moment away from what's going on in the world currently and we hope you are keeping safe. Um, you can listen to our previous inductees into the Wolves Fancast Alternative Hall of Fame from Ned Milias to John D. Wolf to George Lecobe to George Endar and Bakary Sacco. Um, but on this induction, well, if you know your Wolves Fancast history and you're a fan of this podcast... I think you'll know who this one is. Shoot forward again, looking for a second, and they've got a second goal. It's Bjorn Sigurdarsson that makes it 2-0 in front of the travelling supporters. He was dubbed the Icelandic Ibrahimovic. He looked like he had just walked out of a 90s boy band and had the flowing locks to put Rapunzel to shame. If Nenad Milias was the original fancast hit called Hero... Bjorn Sigurdarsson was the goat of fancast heroes. He was the Icelandic prince. Yes, welcome to this edition of the Wolves Fancast Alternative Hall of Fame. Inductee number six into uh, Alternative Hall of Fame. On the Skype line today, Ben's with us. Hello, Ben. Hello. Uh, John's with us as well. Hi there. Uh, gentlemen, now, after uh, of all the Hall of Fame inductees we've had, I've got a gut feeling, a slight gut feeling, that we might raise some eyebrows to this one. This is definitely the most controversial one, I'd say. The most obvious one that people must have known that he was going in, but still. Hmm. I mean, if we get any comments, this is the one that people start commenting on. I, I think this is probably the most, most niche one. Yeah. Um, and I think it's probably just me and you, or oh, us three, potentially. Yeah. <laughs> well, as I've said on that introduction before, if, you, if you've listened to the podcast for a long while, you would know that Siggy is very much a strong cult hero at FanCast. And yes, although there are a lot of fans out there who would disagree with liking him as a player, hopefully over this Cats. episode, we're going to, yeah, hopefully over <laughs> this episode, we're going to try and convince people that perhaps he was a good player. Perhaps some things went against him. Uh, so let's see how we get on, gents, with this one. Uh, he joined Wolves in June of 2012 for £2.4 million from Lillestrom, and he was at the club for four years. I want you to cast your mind back to that summer of 2012, gents. Uh, what was it about Siggy that you fell in love with when he joined the club? So for me, it was um, the summer that uh, we spoke about in the last episode that I was on that Millie asked left. So I was a bit heartbroken and I needed a a replacement for my, uh, my a left wing replacement for my um, my love for Milias and Siggy turned up with his flowing hair and his sort of mystique which Scandinavian players always seem to have and he just showed so much early promise but ultimately didn't quite work out for him and I think I think he was probably a better player I think we spoke about this on the Milias episode he's probably a better player than he showed at Wolves but it didn't quite work out for him and as we said, it's quite a niche uh, cult hero because he actually didn't do very much for Wolves. I think, I think for me, um, what do I say? Like when you, when you break up with someone, you tend to go with someone the complete opposite. And after having, after being with McCarthy for so many years, and this was the, obviously the first summer 
where McCarthy wasn't there. We had a exotic foreign manager, and we were actually signing these these players that people haven't heard of. And obviously, you know, let's not beat around the bush. He's a good-looking human being as well, which helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just straight away on there, he's a striker, blonde hair, blue eyes, got a hairband, he's got a cool mane. I was just—I was on board straight away. What? I don't take a lot to be on board, but I just was. <laughs> What's there not to like? I mean, he joined the club, and I was a bit like, "Ooh, Mama Lake." I mean, <laughs> straight away. Like, I think my my view is exactly the same as Ben's. It was that summer where we had all these flair players turn up. It was very much football manager come to come to life. We never had these type of players turn up, and this kind of boy band moody looking esque, you know, teen heartthrob of Sigurd Arsene turns up, and I'm thinking to myself, "Hang, and I, I can get on board with this player." This is the type he, of player that I like. Uh, he's very uh, lead character of Twilight, isn't he? Yes. He could be in a Twilight film. <laughs> um, he was. Uh, he had 75 appearances in all competitions for Wolves. He scored seven goals. Gentlemen, can you name the seven teams that he scored against? I can name one. Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough is what. Well. a cracking goal that was as well, from what I remember. That's when he stepped over past the keeper. That, that's when I thought... Come on, he's doing it now. He's really, he's really doing it. I don't think he scored. That that goal, that goal for me is very similar to a goal that Pele scored in the, I think it was the 50, 58 World Cup. And you know, I'm quite happy to have a player that can do. And some would say that's where the similarities end. I, <laughs> <laughs> I would still argue that point. So we're saying that, have... so we're saying that Sigi and Pele are basically the same caliber of player. Take it how you want. <laughs> um, uh, ben, can I've, you name any teams that he scored against? I've got Peterborough. Yeah, that's scored cool. a little, He scored a little chip at Peterborough, which yep. was an absolutely delicious goal as well. Did he score at Bristol City when we won for? Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. So, Pete, yeah, Peterborough, Bristol City, Borough three. You've got four of the teams. <laughs> I'm, I am struggling after that. The, the Peterborough and Middlesbrough goals were the undoubted highlights for me. Uh, he scored got... against Barnsley. Yes, he did. So uh, in that horrendous defeat that basically relegated us. Basically, yeah, because that was the, we took the lead with that goal. And then there was that was when they came down after the game. They were walking to go back in the tunnel, and there was just loads of abuse coming from mm. the away end. Good times. Good times. <laughs> good times. Good times. His whole stay was good times. Yeah. Uh, other goals he scored against Forest in another defeat at home. Uh, he scored against uh, Crawley in the league. Um, I think that was the game when in League One where Griffiths scored a penalty literally in the last second. Yeah. To win, and he also scored against Port Vale in the Lee Hughes game. So he scored in big games when yeah. it mattered. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I thought he'd play for us in League One. To be honest, I thought he'd left after that. Uh... That first season in the Championship, I forgot he was playing under jacket in League One. Well, that's so, so yeah. if you look at his career, when he first joined in 2012, he scored uh, five goals in that season and obviously was used between Solbach and Saunders. The following season, 2013-14, he initially had a good run under jacket in League One, but then seemed to fall out of favour. And then by the January, he was lo- loaned out to Mould uh, for a year. Obviously, the Norwegian League starts differently, so he was literally there for a whole calendar year. While he was at Mould in that year, he won the league and cup double, so not bad really. Um, but, but before we get into a bit more how he gets a bit strange with his Wolves career after that, is my question again to you, gents: Is Siggy was very much a soul back and play, wasn't he? I mean, 
he was obviously going to work with Solbach, and for any other manager, you could tell it was just, I mean, Saunders, no one was ever going to work with Saunders, but it was just never really going to work out for him, was it? Apart from, like, he was very much a Solbach and signing. If it was any other manager, it probably wasn't going to work out for him. Yeah, I, I remember if it was under jacket or Saunders that because he was relatively tall, he's quite a, quite a tall player. They used him as a target man, and that wasn't his game. He was very much a, a ball for feet kind of player and, and, and running behind. From what I can remember, again, it's quite a while since I've watched him. He was he was quite a quick player, um, uh, and so we never really paid for strength, especially under when he came back under jacket the second time. He was. Sort of isolated up front and didn't really get get the gameplay to his. Uh, again, we, we seem to be treading over the old ground we, we, we did in the Millie episode that we signed a player that, that showed promise that we didn't ultimately, after Solbach went, we didn't play a, a style that suited him. And so he was never going to really work for him. And uh, looking at his stats after he left Wolves, he, he, he's done pretty well. I mean, as you say, he won the League and Cup double at Mould and it's a Norwegian league but it's not not turning your nose up at doing that when we're in the championship so again I think it was a right player wrong time I think slightly challenging the subject but I think um, you have to give a bit of respect to Jacket as well because obviously Saunders came in and I think he uh, he saw the the bright lights of Jake Cassidy and decided that he would be the man to bring us to salvation in the championship and ostracised everyone else that had been signed by Solbach. But to be fair to Jacket, he did give a lot of players a chance that wouldn't have been, you know, his signings or... Because, you know, no disrespect to Jacket, he probably didn't know who Sigurd Arsene was, really. Um, well, he sure didn't have posters he, on his wall at home. Well, he would have been the only one. But, <laughs> uh, but he, he did actually give him a... He gave him a decent, yeah. a decent go. Um, in League One, I think I'm sure no one's really got a bad word to say about Jacket, but I think when you when you look at stuff like that as well, it just highlights what a good job he did do in there as well. Hey, it's David here. Now, I know you. You love a bloody good website, don't you? Look, come on, you do. You like a good website. If you're on your phone, you're on your computer thinking, I want to see a bloody good website. I'm going to go find one right now. If you want a bloody good website and you want one for yourself, for your business, why don't you go check out our sponsors, pixelyetimedia.com. They don't just do websites, of course. They do loads of different things for your marketing needs, such as design work and brochures. And they do our website as well, wallsfancast.com. It's a really good design. We're really pleased with the work over at the guys at pixelyetimedia.com. So, again, you're looking at some websites, you're thinking, oh, I really want a website that looks that good just for me and my business. Why don't you go check them out right now at pixelyetimedia.com. Uh, so we, we kind of touched on now what John mentioned before. When when he came back for a short spell, so he was on loan to Mould, and then in January 2016 he returned to Wolves. So it was a bit of a strange scenario. So. In that January, Wolves were lacking strikers. Wolves had sold to Phoebe to Bournemouth, 
Uh, Joe Mason was brought in from Cardiff, but you got a feeling there was another player that was going to go, that was going to arrive, that was going to be Joe Mason's partner, but that never really seemed to materialise. Wasn't there like a were we linked to someone from Middlesbrough? Uh, this would have been in the January window, yeah. wouldn't it? We I remember to... he played. He played on New Year's Day, which was his first game for ages. I think mm-hmm. it was away at Brighton. Yes. Um, but but yeah, but look, I think we were supposed to get someone else, and that, and that didn't happen. So he almost and then Sigis loan was had basically come to an end at Mould. So he kind of came back into the fold. Uh, but it was a bit of a kind of well, we've got this player available, we might as well use him, despite the fact that Jacket had left him go out on loan to to Mould. Um, obviously, he played like John mentioned as a lone striker, but he failed to score in his 15 appearances. It was also surprising given the fact that he brought Joe Mason in, and for the first few games under Jacket, Joe Mason started on the bench. He played Siki up front on his own. Um, it, so, so I always found it a bit odd that obviously he, he seemed to be brought in for desperation purposes. Jacket obviously didn't really rate him, but he needed a bodies up front. Um, and if you look at that side as well, for the six months we played, it was a shocking team. We had lots of board draws, nothing was happening, there was no creativity. Do you think there was perhaps too much pressure on Siggy to be leading the line in such a, what was very an uncreative team? Yeah, I, I think that's probably a fair point, that that someone comes back having had a, an OK loan spell elsewhere, something new, and what was, as you say, a, a very dire team to walk before it was an expectation that, that much like when we, we signed him and she said that it's something something a bit exciting it was like you thought well, can he do it this time and then as the games went on he wasn't getting um get, getting the chances and scoring the goals and I think I, I think the fan base from my recollection sort of turned on him and he became a bit of a laughing stock in terms of not being able to, to score but the, generally that team wasn't the most creative team anyway so I think it's probably a bit unfair on him and you're probably right that there was a lot of pressure put on to him and it's probably unfair. Well, yeah, that as you say, that team was just completely like bereft of anything in terms of creativity and enjoyment to watch. And he he's sort of another one, isn't he? A lot of funnily enough, a lot of these players sort of the ones that the ones that I've been involved in anyway have been sort of players where a lot of it is sort of what could have been. And I'll get the same sort of thing with Sigurd Arson. And look, I can't I can't sit here and say when he played for Wolves he was unbelievable because there was obviously a lot of times when he wasn't. But there's clearly something there because this is also the first one where there is still a lot of his career ahead of him as well. You know, he's just got a, a decent move in January. Um, so, you know, he's, he's still a player that obviously got something, but it just never happened. He's still only 29 as well. I think that... Forget he was pretty young when he came to us, which is what eight eight years ago. So he was early twenties. So as you say, a lot of pressure was put on him when he was quite early in his career. And he's he's done pretty well since leaving. I always have this bit of a sliding door theory on on Fancast, um, and I always put this to Bonatini's goal against Borough in the Championship. That one on one chance. I always feel that if Bonatini doesn't finish that goal. He's not going to go and score the goals he does for the next six months. He didn't feel like that type of player, but he scores and he, he gets those goals. I always felt that with Siggy, after that Brighton game, we were at home to Bolton, I think. And mm. at two minutes into the game, he has a glorious one on one chance for the keeper. Keeper saves it. 
Mason Strider on the rebound slots in the scores. I always feel it's one of those kind of confidence moments. If he scores that goal, he goes on the score's goals. But because he doesn't score that goal, I know you could always make the argument if he's a good stri- enough striker, he should score goals. But I think there's some caveats with how poor that side was and the creativity in that side. I do feel like he perhaps would have gone and scored some goals or at least two or three more goals uh, in that six months if he'd scored. Um, post-Wall's life for Siggy, obviously left in 2016 after his contract ended. He rejoined Mulder on a free. He was there for a couple of years. And then in 2018, he was sold to Russian side Rostov on a three and a half year deal. And then since January, he's been playing in uh, in, in Cyprus. So Cypriot side, I always get this wrong, is it Apol? Yeah, Apple. Well, there we go. I got it right. Um, and then internationally, he's had seven caps for the Iceland team, and he was in the Iceland squad for the last World Cup in 2018. So would he have played under um, Solskjaer at Mulder? Yes, when he won his league title. Yes, I think he or was. I think that's when he was loaned there when he was at Wolves. Because if you if, yeah. if you Google him, there are pictures of Solskjaer oh, at the signing with with um, with Sigge. Yeah, um, I'll tell you what. When so when Sigurdarson went there, it was almost the same week that Solskjaer left to come to Cardiff to relegate them, and then he went back when Sigurdarson left. So they were like ships in the net. <laughs> we get some more bits and bobs, gentlemen. Do you have any stories or anecdotes yourself on Sigging separate to all this? I've got one. Go on, go on, go on. Uh, so it was Peterborough away. We spoke about his goal. Um, and it's the first time I'd been to, to Peterborough's ground and it was terraced at that point. I think they've got rid of them now. And because um, his goal, it was ball, ball got passed through and he was sort of one-on-one with the keeper and chipped it over him. And as he chipped it over him, it was just trickling in and a man stood directly behind me in my ear, shouted, you big, beautiful bastard. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was I just turned around and hugged him because obviously he, he could appreciate his talents and just a beautiful moment was had did he did he say bastard as well in that such a posh voice bastard yeah because I think he, he couldn't have been a local he weren't a local um, yeah just shouted it because it went really quiet you know as the ball's just rolling in and everyone's just sort of waiting to celebrate just pierced the silence it was glorious. <laughs> um, some tidbits I found out about Siggy. Uh, I don't know if you know this. He's got three half-brothers. Um, and hopefully I'm going to pronounce this right. Bajani Goodjohnson, Poror Goodjohnson, and one-time Wolves player, Joey Goodjohnson. Yeah, I did know that Joey Goodjohnson was his half-brother. So I didn't know that at all. Nice little fact there. Um, now, back in 2016, when he came back... Uh, off his loan spell for Wolves in that six months period. Uh, we here at Fancast, we started a campaign to try and get Siggy to do a certain celebration when he scored, knowing that he had actually listened to us ask for that request. Um, he was asked about this in an interview with the club, and here's a clip of what he said. Because I know you know the boys from the Fancast, and they're all saying, if you score, they're on the pitch, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they, they told me the other night that uh, if I would score, I had to do some... Um, some uh, celebration. I can't remember what that, what that was, but uh, that would have been funny because they have been 
um, on social media supporting a lot. So it would have been great to like, do that for them, though. So that's what he said about the clip. It's just so fucking annoying that he didn't actually score a goal after that, isn't it? And then, obviously, in 2013, we were lucky enough to do an interview with him for our YouTube channel. Um, he was very funny and down-to-earth person when I met him. Uh, I remember one of the questions I asked him was if he picked up any black country slang since he'd been in Wolverhampton. And I remember him saying that he always kept saying, my missus, <laughs> which I thought was quite good. Um now, I would love to play you a clip, of course, but uh, three years ago, our YouTube account got hacked and all our videos got deleted. So that's great, isn't it? So our glorious interview with Ziggy is literally gone. I've got no record of it. I've got no sales files of it. The person who filmed it for me could never find it himself, so he probably deleted off his, his computer. Um, so, yeah. So I always have those memories of that interview. Um, <laughs> Gents, you'll just I'm... be sat rocking in a chair telling people. Yeah, yeah. I just try and replay it in my mind constantly. Can I, can I just make one final point? You can. There was a season in 2017 where in 27 games he scored 16 league goals, which is more than he scored in any other season by nine. So in one season, he scored more than he had in the previous just bear with me one second. <laughs> he scored as many goals as he had in the previous six seasons in one beautiful 12 months at Mulder. Okay. He's still got it. Yeah. Are you perhaps trying point. to say that he had maybe re- finally reached the peak or his form at that point? And maybe no, what we saw before. Back. <laughs> just sign him no. back. <laughs> I think it was probably FIFA 17. He was... I was walk. I think he was left Wolves by then. Uh, 15, 18, I was over Wolves, and he was my first signing. He was my tenth striker as I took us to the Champions League final. So, um, I, I lived out the Siggy dream on computer games rather than a than in real life, much as I did with Emilias on Football Manager when he became a Wolves icon. Um, so it, it, in my memory, that's how I remember him best. Uh, now, usually at the end of these podcasts, I ask the question, can he fit into today's side? I'm not going to ask us that question because the answer is obviously yes. So that'll just be a boring debate. Um, the question I will ask, gentlemen, is obviously, look, you know, Siggy wasn't the greatest striker, clearly, but is history and fan opinion almost on the wrong side for Bjorn this time with his time at Wolves? And perhaps just one soul back and went, he just wasn't going to fit in. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think. I think... I said it earlier, potentially right person, wrong time. And I think if we were to pull, put together a, a most beautiful 11 and formal players in the last 10, 15 years, we would most definitely be up front. Ben? I, I, I would like to think that people don't see him as a total laughing stuff because I, I genuinely don't think he was ever that. Um, it was a... He came at a bad time when the when the club was pretty much rotting. And I never thought that Sigurd Arsen was the worst player on the pitch. I know this is <laughs> that was a strange compliment to someone that would put him into a Hall of Fame. <laughs> but, no, but what I'm trying to say is he was he wasn't like people talk about him like he was laughably bad and he was never laughably bad. It just never quite happened for him. So I think he is treated a little bit harshly. And hopefully, you know, we've We've made people realise what a wonderful human and footballer he is. Now I look forward to the comments when nobody <laughs> listens to this episode and they just berate us instead. 
thank you, gentlemen. That's the sixth inductee into the Fowls Fancast Alternative Hall of Fame. Bjorn Sigurdarsson, our Icelandic pr- print. We do salute thee. Uh, if you've got a suggestion for anyone else you think should go in our Hall of Fame, podcast at wolvesfancast.com or get us on the socials, type in Wolves Fancast and send us your suggestions. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this. Thank you very much, gentlemen, and hope you're all keeping well and safe, and I'll see you soon. <laughs>